Fazila. Then the next hadith that the author brings, which is a weak hadith, from Abu Abi Sa'id al Khudri, from Abu Sa'id al Khudri, radiallahu anhu, from Allah's Messenger, this being from the text of the Sheikh, from Abu Sa'id al Khudri, radiallahu anhu, from Allah's Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who said, Musa said, O oh Lord, O oh my Lord, teach me something by which I can mention you and call you and supplicate to you with, or call upon you, invoke you with. He said, Say, O oh Musa, La ilaha illallah. He said, O oh my Lord, all of your servants say this. He said, Musa, if the seven heavens and all their inhabitants, all that, are, all that is besides me, and all the seven earths were placed on one scale, and la ilaha illallah was placed on another scale. Then the saying la ilaha illallah would outweigh all of that. Reported by Ibn Hibban and al-Hakim, and he declared it authentic sahih. And Imam al-Zahabi, just commenting on the weakness of it, Imam al-Zahabi agreed that it was authentic. However, this narration, as the scholars say, is a weak, is a weak hadith, da'if. Due to the narrator called Darraj ibn Sam'an, Darraj ibn Sam'an, Abu Samh, who is weak. And he's especially weak when he narrates from Abu Haytham al-Utwari. One of his teachers called Abu Haytham al-Utwari. And in this hadith, he does narrate from him. So this hadith without, is weak, not authentic. However, there's something similar that we might we, we can mention here, something similar that is authentic. Quoted by Shaykh al Bani, Allah in his Silsilatul Ahadith al Sahiha, number one hundred and thirty four, reported by Al Bukhari and Al Adib al Mufrad, and by Ahmad, which is Sahih, from the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr, who says that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said Indeed, the Prophet of Allah, Nuh, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when death came to him, he said to his son, Nuh alayhi salam, said to his son at the point of death, I will tell you something. I will tell you an admonition, a final admonition or a will. I command you with two things and I forbid you from two things. I command you with la ilaha illallah. Because the seven heavens and the seven earths, if they are placed on one scale of a balance, and la ilaha illallah was placed on a one scale, then la ilaha illallah would outweigh them. And if the seven heavens and the seven earths were a closed ring, it would be broken open by la ilaha illallah. And subhanallah, Wabihamdihi is the prayer of everything. And due to these two, the creation are given sustenance. And I forbid you from shirk and from pride. I forbid you from shirk and from pride, from shirk and kibr. And the hadith continues. So that's something something similar, that's authentic, very sim very similar. The explainer, just to quote what the explainer says, even though the narration is weak, 
the explainer, most of what he says is not directly based on the narration, it's general anyway. He says, from Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, his name was Sa'ad ibn Malik ibn Sinan, from the tribe, from the Ansar, from the Khazraj, noble companion. And his father was likewise a noble companion. Abu Sa'id was too small on the day of Uhud. He was too small to fight on the day of Uhud. But he, he was present at all the battles after that. And he died in Medina in the year 63, 64 or 65 after the Hijrah. And he was 64 years old. Radiallahu anhu. Then the explainer says, commenting on this narration, the saying of Musa in the weak narration, he says the saying in the Shahada, La, the La in La ilaha, is a categorical denial and is an all embracing denial and denies everything except what is accepted. La ilaha, none has the right to be worshipped. Denies everything that's worshipped, everything whatsoever that's worshipped, la, the la, there is not, not a denial, it denies all of that. So some mushrik can't come along and say, yeah, it's okay, fine, but we just do, in just in this case, because this man is very pious, or whatever, whatever reason they bring, this man is very pious and he's this, therefore, no matter what argument they bring, they're rejected, they're rebutted by the saying, la ilaha illallah. None has the right, none whatsoever has the right to be worshipped. Except Allah, and then Allah Himself, our Lord, mentions what is accepted from that. Illallah. Except for Allah. Except He Himself, our Lord. <coughs> and its meaning is, La ilaha haqq illallah. There is none has the right, right to be worshipped in truth except Allah. Allah, the, then He quotes an ayah. Allah the Most High says, and He quotes Surah Al Hajj. 22nd Surah, Ayah 62. Because some people, they, they come to the Shahad and they try and explain it. And they give reasons why they, they say it means no, there's no Lord except Allah. There's no provider except Allah. And they give their, their own phony reasons why they explain it that way. And they say, then we say, no, the true meaning is none has the right to be worshipped. None has the right to be worshipped. Or none is worshipped in truth except Allah. So they say, why do you say that? Why do you say the meaning is in, in truth? Or none has the right? Why do you say that is the meaning of it? So the author quotes some of the ayahs that, that are approved for that. Or one ayah that is approved for that. This ayah from Surah Al-Hajj, 22nd Surah, Ayah 62. That that is because Allah, He is the true one. And everything which they invoke or call upon besides Him is false. And Allah, He is the most high and the most great. So the, the shahada, and sometimes you see it translated, La ilaha illallah, there is no God except Allah. And that is a false translation, that is a mistranslation, and it's, an, it's, a, wrong, it's a wrong saying to the point that Sheikh Al-Bani described that saying as being a saying of kufr. Saying that, none has, that, that nothing is worshipped except Allah, it's a denial of the fact, and it's a saying of kufr. Because many things, and we know it's a fact, many things are worshipped besides Allah. Outside, outside Islam, the Hindus and the Buddhists and the Christians and so on, they worship many things besides Allah. So it's a fact that in this world, many things besides Allah are worshipped. That's the fact. 
And then our Lord Himself describes in the Quran the things that are worshipped as Aliha. So there are, our Lord Himself has described other things that are worshipped besides Him as Aliha, objects of worship. So the true, and that is a false way of translating the Shahada. The true, the true way is that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah. Other things are worshipped, but they don't have that right. And that's what this ayah clarifies here. There they can be Allah That is because Allah, He is the true one. He is the true one who is worshipped. And that which they invoke or call upon or worship besides Him is false and futile. Wal-batil. So this ayah is one of the ayahs that explains and clarifies the meaning of the shahada. So divinity and the right to worship of Allah the Most High, that is the true right to worship and the true divinity. And that of everything besides Him, the gods besides Him, then worship of them is false and futile, as is shown in this ayah and its like. So this tremendous word, it is a trustworthy handhold, the firm handhold. And it is the saying of taqwa. And it is the saying of ikhlaq, the saying of purity. And it, this saying, is that uh, for which the heavens and the earth were established. And for it, for this word, the sunnah, the matters of the sunnah and the obligatory duties, they were laid down for the completion of this word. All the matters, the things that we have to do, which are obligatory upon us. And all the matters laid down in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Why were they laid down? As a completion of this saying. As a completion of the Muslim saying, La ilaha illallah. As a completion and perfection of it. And due to it, for this saying, the sword of jihad were unsheathed. They weren't with the swords in jihad were not taken out just so we can spill people's blood. And just so we can blow people up just for the fun of it and to watch people's blood flowing? No. For this saying, for the establishment of La ilaha illallah. That is why there is jihad. For the saying of La ilaha illallah. So any jihad that is not for that, then it is false and futile. And through, through it, through this saying, the distinction is made clear between the one who is truly obedient and the one who is sinful and disobedient from the servants. Not as some people say, my heart is pure, then, you know, outwardly I look like an evil, evil doer, but my heart is pure. No. One who is upon this saying, then he is the obedient one. And one who is not, rejects this saying, then he is the evil doer. So whoever says it, and acts upon it, truthfully, and pure and purely, in accept, and accepting it, and with love for it, and in submission to it, and he mentions the rest of the conditions of La ilaha illallah here. And that, there's a, the book uh, by Sheikh Ubaid al-Jabiri, which anybody who hasn't seen the book, they, they should get a hold of the book. It goes through all the conditions, it gives you the proofs and explanation of it. And it's essential for us. So he says, so he mentions the conditions, then he fulfills all of these conditions. Then Allah will mention, that Allah will enter him into paradise. Despite whatever his actions were. And as occurs in the authentic hadith, hadith is Hassan, and Shaykh al-Bani says the hadith is Hassan, reported by Malik in his Muatta and others. And he reports it in as sahiha Silsilat al-Sahihah, number 1503, that the Prophet ﷺ said, the most excellent invocation or supplication that, uh, that of the day of Arafah, 
and the most excellent of what I or the prophets before me have said is La ilaha illallah wahtahu la sharika la. None has the right to be worshipped except Allah. Alone is no partner being uh, uh, given to him. Lahu muk wa lahu hamd wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir. Sovereignty is his and praise is for him and he has power over everything. And in the hadith, the explainer continues, in the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And then he quotes the hadith and it's called, they call it the hadith of the bitaqa, the hadith of the uh, parchment. And this is, again, this is one of the hadith that we should all know. And when it said to us the hadith of the parchment, we should straight away, this hadith should come to our mind and we know this hadith. From the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr, from the Prophet ﷺ, reported by Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah al-Hakim. From the Prophet ﷺ, and then he quotes a hadith, and it's called, they call it, the hadith of the bitaqa, the hadith of the uh, parchment. And this is, again, this is one of the hadith that we should all know. And when it said to us, the hadith of the parchment, we should straight away, this hadith should come to our mind, and we know this hadith. From the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr, from the Prophet ﷺ, reported by Tirmidhi, ibn Majah al-Hakim, and it's sahih, authentic, that the Prophet ﷺ said, A man will be called out from my ummah, in front of all the people on the day of resurrection, and ninety-nine scrolls will be rolled out for him. Each one will stretch as far as the eye can see. And these, these scrolls, some narration, meaning full of sins, full of his sins. Ninety-nine scrolls will be rolled out for him as far as the eye can see and they're filled with all the sins he's committed. Then it will be said to him, do you deny anything from this? From these, do you deny anything you've done? So he will say, no, O my Lord. So it will be said to him, do you have any excuse? or any good deed. So the man will be terrified, and he will say, no. So first of all, he's seen the 99 scrolls full of his sins, as far as I can see, each one. And then he's asked, do you want to deny any of these sins, anything from them? He can't deny any of them. He said, no. So in the second stage, he said, have you got any excuse, or any good deed to make up for it? And that's when he's terrified, and he's truth, he has to be truthful. He said, no. So it will be said, so, it is said, he says, no. So it will be said to him, rather you do, you have a good deed, and there will be no oppression upon you. So one parchment, one parchment will be taken out for him, containing the saying, la ilaha illallah, wa anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasulu. That none has a right to be worshipped except Allah, that he said this, in the world he said this, none has a right to be worshipped except Allah, and that Muhammad is his slave and his messenger. So he will say, the man will say, Oh my Lord, what is this parchment compared to all those scrolls? So it will be said, even he himself, he can't see with all that, all those scrolls, this parchment, how that's going to benefit him. So it will be said, you will not be oppressed. So the scrolls will be placed in one uh, scale, a one balanced panel scale. And the scroll will be placed will be placed in one scale and the scrolls will end up being lighter and the parchment will outweigh all of them.
reported by Tirmidhi and he declared it Hassan. So that's the hadith, hadith of the parchment which we need to know. Again, hadith showing the excellence of one who says the shahada la ilaha illallah with his conditions. It will outweigh all that lot, all those 99 scrolls of sin, it will outweigh all of them. Then the explainer says, he moves on, if the se- and again, the narration being weak, if the seven heavens and the seven, and there are occupants, besides me, well, it says in the narration, besides me, I won't say beside, besides me, and the narration is weak anyway. And he affirms, the explainer, all he affirms here is that Allah, this does not mean, even if it was authentic, it does not mean that Allah is within the heavens. And we don't say that. This is not correct. Rather, as our Lord, as he says, is above. Our Lord is above his throne. And not within his creation. And then he brings a number of proofs for that. Quickly correct the proofs and then leave it, inshallah. <clears throat> he says, just as Allah the Most High says, وَهُوَ الْعَلِيُّ الْعَظِيمُ The end of Ayat al-Kursi. And he is the Most High, the Most Great. Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayat 255, Ayat al-Kursi. So this means our Lord's being Most High. It means that he is the uppermost in subduing. He gives three meanings to mean our Lord is the uppermost, our Lord is the most high. It means the uppermost in subduing. Ulu al Qahar and Ulu al Qadr. The second one it means he is the most high in honor and exaltedness. And Ulu al Dhat. And it means that he is the most high in himself. Our Lord himself is high and above. Our Lord is high in these three senses. He is uppermost in subduing everything. He is uppermost and highest in his honor and his exaltedness. And he is highest himself. He himself is above and high. And you find that some people, they, they try and take one of these meanings and say, right, this is the correct meaning. And they, they deny that Allah, our Lord himself is above the throne and high. And this is not, it means he's exalted. Yeah, our Lord is exalted. But that's not a denial of the fact that he is above his throne. So all of these are the attribute of our Lord. And they all show his perfection. Just as he the Most High says, and then he quotes a number of say, uh, ayahs. He quotes Surah Taha, 20th Surah, Ayah 5. Ar-Rahman al-Arsh istawa. The Most Merciful ascended upon the throne. Thumma istawa al-Arsh. Then he ascended upon the throne. And this ayah occurs in six different places from the Quran. Surah Al-A'raf. 7th Surah, Ayah 54. Surah Yunus, the 10th Surah, Ayah 3. Surah Al-Ra'ad, the 13th Surah, Ayah 2. Surah Al-Furqan, the 25th Surah, Ayah 59. Surah Al-Sajdah, the 32nd Surah, Ayah 4. And Surah Al-Hadid, the 57th Surah, Ayah 4. And as he, the Most High, says, and we'll just quote these proofs and then there won't be any time after that. Further proofs that our Lord is above. Surah Fatir, the 35th Surah, Ayah 15. That good word, good words meaning, as Ibn Kathir says, good words means dhikr and dua and recitation. 
Good words ascend to him. Proving our Lord is above. Good words ascend to him. And righteous action he raises it up. Our Lord raises it up. And he the Most High says. And then he quotes Surah An-Nahl. The 16th Surah. Ayah 50. يَخَافُونَ رَبَّهُمْ مِنْ فَوْقِهِمْ They fear their Lord who is above them. He's quoting clear ayahs our Lord is above. In different, all the different senses. Where our Lord clearly states he is above the throne. He ascended above the throne. The, the good words raise, are raised up to him. And so on and so on. All of these proofs. And they fear. The servants fear their Lord who is above them. All of them clear statements that our Lord is above. And yet still people manage to de- deny this. And he the most I say is تَعْرُجُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ وَالْرُوحُ إِلَيْهِ بِيَوْمٍ كَانِ مِقْدَارُهُ خَمْسِينَ أَلْفَ سَنَةً That the angels and Jibreel ascend to him in a day that is to the rest of the creation 50,000 years. And that day being the day of resurrection in the correct saying as indicated in Hadith. And the final ayah he quotes the proof from Surah Al-Ma'arij 70th Surah, I have four, sorry. The last I he quotes being from Surah Ali Imran, the third Surah, I have 55, where our Lord addresses Isa alayhi salam and says, Inni mutawafika wa rafi'uka ilayya. That I will cause you, uh, I will take you, take you, Take you, take your soul, and raise you up to me. Or rather, I'll take, I'll take you, and raise you up to me. Obviously, we know Isa did not die. He did not die. He was raised up by his Lord. I will take you and raise you up to me. And the like of these ayahs. So whoever denies that Allah, the Most High, is above His creation, then he has spoken contrary to the clear text of the Book and the Sunnah, and is guilty of denial of Allah's names and His attributes. And then he continues, and we haven't got time to continue. In what this, he says, this word, this word denies the worship of everything. He goes into what, it, what, it, what this word denies. And we have to leave it there, because the time is quite short. Then, to continue with the explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed, then we're still on the second chapter, towards the end of it. And the explainer was finishing off the explanation of the hadith. Of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, which was a weak hadith. We were just taking the points of benefit. And he reached the point he was talking about the shahada and the conditions of the shahada. And it's not sufficient that a person says the shahada la ilaha illallah. It's not sufficient that he says it with his tongue without the necessary conditions of knowledge of what it means, knowledge of what it affirms and denies, truthfulness, certainty of that, me- of that meaning, and so on. And we reach the point where he said, and the meaning of this saying, La ilaha illallah, is a denial of the right to worship of everything except that which is accepted, being Allah the Most High. La ilaha, none has the right, nothing has the right to be worshipped, illallah, except, the exception is made, except Allah the Most High. And the 
Hadith also contains a statement that the earths are seven, just like the heavens. Then he says, because this Hadith, the Hadith being weak, but we quoted an authentic narration, authentic Hadith that was similar to it in meaning, showing that La ilaha illallah outweighs all, all else. So he says, so the fact that this saying, this very great saying, outweighs everything else, then this outweighing will not be achieved except with regard to one who comes with his conditions. The conditions that are given to it in the book and the sunnah. And he, the most perfect, has men mentioned in Surah Bara'ah and other places from the Quran, many of the people who say this shahada. Surah Bara'ah being Surah Tawbah. Our Lord is mentioned in Surah Tawbah and other places. He mentioned that there are many people who say this saying. The shahada, La ilaha illallah but that it does not benefit them, such as the people of the book and the hypocrites, and how many there are, and how many different types there are of people in their hypocrisy. So it does not benefit them, because of the fact that they have left these conditions for it. So from them, there are some, there are some people who say it, Obviously, all this concern when we say it, the, the being the shahada. There are some people who say it out of ignorance, and they are, they are ignorant of it when they say it. They are ignorant of what is meant by it, and what it indicates with regard to a denial and rejection of shirk, and that one must free oneself from shirk, and that one must have truthfulness and be pure and sincere in worship along with that, and due to other reasons, such as the fact that they do not truly accept this saying from those who call unto it. They do not accept it in their knowledge or in their action. He's mentioning a number of reasons why this saying will not benefit a person. He says also, due to abandonment of compliance with it, with one's actions, not complying with it, and doing what it necessitates, as is the case with many people who said it in the former times and in the later times. However, such people at the later part of this Ummah are more. The ones who say the Shahada, they say La ilaha illallah, but they don't do what it demands. They don't abandon the shirk that is demanded by this saying. And some, there are some people who are prevented from that, prevented from being benefited by this saying or having causing this thing to benefit them. And they are prevented from it, by, and prevented from loving it, and from acting upon it, due to what is found in their hearts, with regard to pride, and desires, and so on. And then he gives the reason why some, why some people do not benefit. What is, what is wrong with them, that they do not benefit this saying, benefit by this saying, and come with the conditions necessary for it. Why not? He says, because what is present in their hearts with regard to pride and desires, or so on, with regard to reasons, and there are many of them. And then he mentions a couple of ayahs concerning the reasons why a person may be prevented 
from benefiting from this saying. And he says, from them is the saying of Allah the Most High. And he quotes Surah Tawbah, the ninth Surah, Ayah 24. The saying of Allah the Most High. قُلْ إِنْ كَانَ آبَاؤُكُمْ وَأَبْنَاؤُكُمْ وَإِخْوَانُكُمْ وَأَزْوَاجُكُمْ وَعَشِيرَتُكُمْ And the ayah continues until our Lord says, فَتَرَبَّثُوا حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ اللَّهُ بِأَمْرِهِ وَاللَّهُ لَا يَهْدِ الْقَوْمَ الْقَاسِقِينَ So this, and you can check, check the explanation of the ayah yourselves. Ayah from Surah Tawbah, 24th ayah. And the ayah that came before it, there was a command, just in the meaning of it, there was a command first to free oneself from the unbelievers. That we should free ourselves from the unbelievers even if they are your fathers or your sons or your brothers or your wives or your tribes. Allah. And it's mentioned all these things that may prevent a person from the truth. And then the number of things, all the things that are mentioned is mentioned your fathers and your sons and your brothers and your wives and your tribes, and your wealth, and business, and your homes. And if they are more beloved to you than Allah and His Messenger, and Jihad in His path, then if that is the case, then wait until Allah comes, and see what punishment Allah comes with, that Allah brings with you. So wait and see what punishment Allah brings to you. So if these things and the things are mentioned, if these things are more beloved to you, then wait and see what punishment Allah brings. So he mentions a number of causes that stop a person from the truth and from benefiting, as occurs here, benefiting from the shahada. Then he says, as for the different case, as for the people of true and pure iman, then they are the ones who come with this saying. And they bring all of its conditions together. The conditions that are given to it. And they are, and then he mentions the conditions. Al-ilm. The seven conditions he mentions for the shahada that we should know. The first is knowledge. Al-ilm. The second is yaqeen. Certain, certain faith. Certain belief in it. The third one, al-sidq. Truthfulness. The one says it truthfully. When he says it with his tongue, that is what is in his heart, and he's saying, he's saying it truthfully. And ikhlafan, purely and sincerely for, for Allah. And meaning that he'll, he's, he's saying the shahad, knowing what it means, and that he'll make his worship purely for his Lord. And muhabbatan, that he has love. Muhabba. He has love for this saying. And has love for his people. And the sixth condition, waqubulan, the acceptance of it, that he accepts this saying. He doesn't just say it and then actually rejects it. And, no, he accepts it. And the, the final one, the compliance. Al-Imqiyad. He complies with it. Whatever they're saying demands upon him. And demands that he does, then he will do that thing. And as we said, the, the book of Sheikh Ubaid al-Jabiri is, even trans, is translated. You can get hold of that. It goes into detail on these conditions. Then he continues and says, And these people are true iman. They have enmity for the sake of Allah and alliance for the sake of Allah for this saying. I mean, they ally themselves, those who are people upon the upon Tawheed, upon this saying, then they ally themselves with those people. And those who are against this saying, enemies of this saying, then they are enemies of those people. 
and they love and they hate with regard to it. And Allah the Most High has mentioned them in a number of places of Surah Bara'ah and other places. And has particularized them with praise. And has mentioned that he, he pardons them. There are people whom he will pardon. And he has prepared his paradise for them. And he has saved these people from the fire. As he the Most High says, and then he quotes Surah Tawbah, the ninth Surah, Ayah 71. وَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ بَعْضُهُمْ أَوْلِيَاءُ بَعْضُ يَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْحَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَيُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةِ وَيُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةِ وَيُطِيعُونَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولَهُ أُولَئِكَ سَيَرْحَمُهُمُ اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ With a rough meaning that the believing men and the believing women, the ones of Iman, they are each allies, allies of the rest. They command the good and they forbid the evil and they establish the prayer and they give the zakat and they obey Allah and His Messenger. These are the ones whom Allah will have mercy upon. Indeed, Allah is the Almighty and the All-Wise. And He said, وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ وَالَّذِينَ اَتَّبَعُوهُمْ بِإِحْسَانٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا عَنْهُ وَعَدَّ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي تَحْتَهَا الْأَنْهَارِ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا ذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ Surah Tawbah, Ayah 100 with the meaning that those first and foremost in, of the believers from the Muhajireen and the Ansar and those who followed them upon good, Allah is pleased with them and they are pleased with Him. And He has prepared, he has prepared gardens of paradise beneath which rivers flow. They will forever be there, dwell therein and for them is a tremendous success. The explainer says, so these people and who those who follow them upon good, they are the people of La ilaha illallah. In this ayah, who is it referring to? The people of La ilaha illallah. And other ayahs, where they are praised, and it is mentioned what is prepared for them in the hereafter. So whoever carefully considers the Quran, and he knows how different, or he is aware how different the people are in their levels, with regard to the love of the, their love that they have for their Lord, how different they are in their levels of love for their Lord, and how different different they are in their level of Tawheed, how they single out their worship, their Lord with their worship, and in acting on, in obedience, in all these matters, how different the people are, how many different levels are of people, and what a great difference is between people with regard to these matters, in their love of their Lord, and in how they single him out with worship or other or not or otherwise. And how in acting in obedience to him, and in fleeing away from disobedience of him, and in preferring that which he, the Most High, loves, and in actively, uh, or in desiring him actively, doing action, and in abandoning that which he hates, and in having fear and hope. So whoever considers the people with their different states and their various sayings, and their different deeds, and their different intentions, and their different desires, will see or will know what a very great difference there is between them in this affair. And it will become clear to him the error of those who have been deluded. And at least part of those whom he is describing here, those who have been deluded, 
the ones who say that if you say la ilaha illallah, that's the end of the matter. You're a person of paradise. Full stop. And that's all you need to do. You say with your tongue, la ilaha illallah. That's it. And then you're a person of paradise and that's the end. The saying of the murji'ah. He's saying, if you a person who considers all this and considers the creation, how different they are in the work, their worship of their Lord, and so on and so on, and obedience to him, and he'll know the falsity of that saying of theirs.